Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How about you? You know, I could use another 10 hours of sleep tonight. After the, We got the preview pushed out yesterday. That's always a little <laughs> hairy of an operation. But it's out, and like I got all this like other list of stuff to do because, you know, the season's a week away from today. Just a week. A it's week. It's almost here. Real football is almost here. I know, and I'm excited, but then like I look at this to-do list. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this today. I'm like, okay, now I got to get ready for all these uh, you know, uh, hoss of the week and stuff like that. You oh, get yeah. back to the group with that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, I was even thinking like I saw the college football guys had their first picks of the year out today. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, because we're going to change up the way we, <laughs> we do our picks a little bit this year, which is exciting, too. So, yeah, and, and by the way, I'm the reigning champion. I just want everybody <laughs> to know that again. I am the reigning champion. Unfortunately, you know, that, that is. Is going uh, <laughs> gone elsewhere out of, to the ringer, and, and you know, congratulations to him again. So we won't be able to face off again. But, no, and he was—I believe he was a runner-up last year. But yep, I'm the reigning winner, and I look forward to defending <laughs> my crown. Well, I like—I think you know, if I recall correctly, without going back, it seems like PFT Commoner and uh, the robot that picks the the computer that picks the games for Odd Shark had a pretty decent run last year too. Yeah, and, and I think and they you, beat me. <laughs> like the thing is, you got to understand PLT's strategy for picking the games, and that makes it even funnier that he was even <laughs> close. But yeah, some kind of way uh, coming down the stretch, he was pretty good. Uh, the Odd Shark, of course, you you kind of expect them to be pretty good since they are the odds makers. But um, some kind of way, he found a way to beat them out. So <laughs> I, I, I admit, I. I didn't really pat my chest last year, but I'm going to pat my chest just a little bit on this podcast. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, look, it was funny because we talked about this like every week. Um, at first, it was just, you know, it, we would, you know, put our picks in and stuff. But I, I don't think anybody was really taking it seriously at the beginning of the year. But right around, I don't know, week eight, week nine. All of a sudden, you find yourself doing research and stuff, and really, really paying more attention to those picks. Oh uh, yeah, and and, and and so you kind of like for me, especially, and I think for Danny, we we started our competitive spirit started to take over, and so it, it became a little bit more competitive and and, and more serious as as, as the season went on. So I'm gonna try not to get that caught up into it again this year because I was like really like agonizing over some of these picks sometimes, but. Uh, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. So I, I look forward to doing it again this year. Yeah, it was. And I, like I say, I'm really excited because we're going to have a little, because we do our picks early in the, and I know this is something we've talked about before, but like, you know, we get our picks in on Tuesday and that's pretty early in the week. Yeah. That's before even, you know, the, 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 the uh, injury reports come out. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're making a pick based on who you think will play and then you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, but we're going to, we're going to add a little, uh, element, uh, element to counter that. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that this year. I think it'll be cool. Oh, sounds a little mysterious there. <laughs> ah, it does. It does. It it's does. a bit of entry there. So. <laughs> and I've learned, uh, I've learned to hedge a little bit. And see so. how that turns out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward. And so, okay, so speaking of picks, Stephen, 
I think I I don't know if anybody had picked. I mean, it seems like the Dallas Cowboys were a pretty safe pick for the NFC East. I mean, maybe not a consensus pick, but you know, a, a pick that a lot of people could have gotten behind. But I guess all that's up in the air now with a uh, Tony Romo maybe out half the season or more or less, depending on which in, which latest uh, Doctor Jerry report you believe. Yeah, and it's his back, man. It's his spine. So it's not one of those things that it's not like a hamstring where, okay, if he comes back a little early, all he's going to do is just, you know, maybe hurt, re-injure the hamstring. It's your back. Yeah. You, you want the guy to be able to walk, you yeah. know, 10 years from now. So um, I imagine they're going to be a little little cautious with that. So if I, if it's me, I, I'm, I'm kind of assuming it's going to be on the, the latter uh, like the worst case scenario rather than the best case scenario when it comes to when he'll be back on the field. I've seen anywhere from four to like 10 weeks. Yeah. I think. Um, and, 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 and obviously uh, after last season, they were looking forward to getting back on the field uh, because with him hurt last year, they just sucked so bad. Oh, yeah. It wasn't even funny. And, and they went through all these different backup quarterbacks and none of them <laughs> really seemed to work out. And they figured, hey, you know, we're built to make this run now with a healthy Tony Romo. So that kind of, you know, take, takes the wind out of their sails to, to a certain extent. But this uh, preseason, uh, their rookie, uh, I think it was, what, a fourth-round pick? Yeah. But Dak Prescott has looked amazing, quite honestly. Um, you, you always want to temper expectations when it's a rookie. And – in the preseason. Um, right, especially in the preseason and all that. But he's been starting most of these games. And even the, the game that Romo uh, got hurt, like Romo got hurt like the first or second play of the game, I think. And so he's, he's been playing – Dak Prescott has been playing against starters uh, this whole preseason. Yeah. He's played against the Rams and that outstanding defensive line. Uh, and he was playing against the Seahawks uh, uh, after Romo got hurt. So it's not like he's been playing against some slappies either, and he's looked pretty well. Yeah. Like again, you don't want to crown the guy or what have you, but at the same time, your eyes really aren't lying to you. He he's he's as much as anything else. I feel like he's played with poise. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that you look for uh, when you have a rookie quarterback. Do they look anxious in the pocket? Do they look like things are moving too fast for them? Or can he stand back there and deliver the football and look like it's not too big for them? Yeah. Now, it it helps to be behind that Dallas offensive line, right? Because (laughs) um, they do a great job of of protection. But at the same time, it's not like he hasn't gotten any pressure. So he's had situations where he's had to scramble, he's had to avoid the rush, and he's even been sacked. Um, And and he's, he's, throughout all of that, he looks calm in the midst of the storm. Yeah, he really so, does. Um, to me, I feel like it, 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 it's no, it's not a given that he, that's going to carry over into the regular season. And of course, teams now have film on him; they can start mm-hmm. uh, game planning for him or what have you. But it helps again when you have that offensive line. He's got Ezekiel Elliott, who looks definitely like he belongs as well. Um, after his play against the Seahawks. Yeah, for uh, sure. You have Alfred Morris, and you have that dude on the outside, 
that can beat one-on-one coverage by you know at any point in the game in Dez Bryant. Mm. And and one thing that I, I've noticed about, about Dak too is he's smart enough to get the football. To- <laughs> Trying as well, like he ain't he ain't always going through his reads. If he see that uh, uh, Dez has one on one coverage, and that's what you want too. You want a guy mm-hmm. that's smart enough to say, "Man, damn the playbook! I see one on one coverage with Dez. That's where it's going." Yeah, that's my playmaker, and so he is set up, I think, for success. But it still remains to be seen how successful he'll be with Romo out. I I, I think they're in a much better place than they were last year when he got hurt. Mm-hmm. But again, we know what happens if Dak Prescott goes out there and get hurt, gets hurt in week one. <laughs> then they're fucked. Just, <laughs> right, right. They're super, super screwed. Uh, but but you just never know how it's going to play out. So And, of course, there's still a lot of questions about their defense. All these guys are suspended. Yeah. Some of them who played in the preseason won't be there for the first four weeks or so. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of question marks still on defense, and I think Sean Lee was even uh, a little banged up too, uh, one of the outstanding linebackers. So there's a lot of questions over there. So you can't really say, you know, for sure that they'll be able to keep the ship afloat while Romo is out. But I think they're in a much better position to do it this year than they were last year. Yeah, very much so. And and the other thing last year too wasn't you know wasn't just Romo. They that one two punch of Romo, and then Des Bryant was out for a lot of the season too. Absolutely, that 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 does not help anybody. And that, when that guy's not, yeah, and that just changes everything. When you get a guy like, I mean, you know, you think about. We've talked about this before on here. You got to when you have a player like that. You no no defensive coordinator worth worth his salt can ignore him, and that changes the way they approach what they can do on the field. And then you know you've got now. I mean, they're probably in a better position because they have Ezekiel Elliott back there too, but. You know, it makes a quarterback's job a little easier. And and again, when you're upgrading from Kellen Moore to Dak Prescott, I mean, again, I don't want to and I don't want to give anyone the impression that I think Dak Prescott's the second coming of Troy Aikman or anything like that. But you know, he's definitely a step up from Kellen Moore and Brandon Weed and whatever other Matt Castle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> whoo, whatever other flotsam and jetsam they put out there when Romo was gone last year. And then you you keep if Des Bryant's healthy, they can still do a lot with that. Yeah, I mean you would think so anyway, right? Well, <laughs> like, yeah. <Let's>... If there's, <laughs> there's no guarantee, but you would think that if if, if Dak can stay healthy and, and continue to build on his strong preseason, there's a lot there to work with. Yeah, for sure. So I guess the other like pretty good team in the NFC East. Is I, I guess it's got to be Washington. Well, <laughs> sort of. It's not a complete team, but I think what you have is a situation where uh, there's not really uh, any team that's head and shoulders above each other. No. And uh, while I do think I said this before, I think that uh, Washington's offense should be outstanding this year. There's just <clears throat> so many weapons at their disposal uh, at the skill positions this year. Yeah. And the offensive line should be improved as well. That They're a little bit healthier. Um, the right guard is will now be in his second season, and he was pretty good last year already. Um, so Kirk Cousins, 
in theory, should throw for a whole lot of yards this year. Mm-hmm. Now, their running back situation took a hit. Uh, uh, the running back from Florida, that was a rookie last year, hurt, hurt his shoulder. Oh, yeah. Um, and so... Matt Jones. Uh, Matt Jones. Uh, but but I tell you what, <laughs> they got a backup by the name of Robert Kelly. Uh, mm. Not the singer. <laughs> who, who, I, who I actually like uh, quite a bit, man. He, he, he just looked pretty good this preseason. Um, and, and I don't think that any of those guys behind Matt Jones are necessarily world beaters. But I think they'll be okay with those guys considering, you know, all the, the talent they have elsewhere. Yeah. You know, uh, Josh Dyson hasn't even played any this preseason. But but you don't even really need them. I mean, you got Pierre Garçon, you got Deshaun Jackson, you got Jameson Crowder, and then you're tight end. You got Jordan Reed, and they went and picked up Vernon Davis, who you know appears to have stone hands these days, but it's still <laughs> pretty damn fast and still a matchup problem. So you have to respect that because yeah. you just never know when he might actually catch the football, right? Yeah. And so you can't just leave him wide open. Um, you got Niles Paul and, and Logan Paulson. They got four starting caliber level tight ends, in my opinion. And so while I, I do think they take a, a little bit of a hit with the Matt Jones injury, and I'm, I'm not even sure how long he's going to be out. Uh, I, I don't know that it's going to be that long anyway. Um, I think they can survive. It's their defense that that I've said all along I, I was a little nervous about. And then uh, <clears throat> they had the injury to uh, Junior Gallette. Mm-hmm. who was going to be a starting uh, outside linebacker. Uh, they, they seem to be able to get pretty good pressure this preseason, however. But I just you know, I always wonder about those teams that don't have that, that really you know, <laughs> uh, uh, dominant tandem at outside linebacker, yeah. guys who can really get after it in a 3-4. Um, and they, they do have Kerrigan, who, who I will always say is, is pretty underrated. Um, but but you need that guy across from him, and and I don't know that they found that guy yet. I I, I love Preston Smith, uh, second year guy uh, that can rush, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know that he's a, a linebacker or outside linebacker. He he's, was more of a five technique last year, uh, but I think they're going to try to start you know try him a, a, as a rush linebacker, and, and we'll see how it works out. Uh, so. Um, I do think the secondary is, is pretty good. I think Bashar Breeland is really coming on strong. Uh, you, they moved this, uh, D'Angelo Hall uh, back to safety. safety, which I think, you know, I'm not really sure about him as far as a, as a run defender in the box. But I would think that, you know, uh, we've seen guys go from corner to safety and have a lot of success. And, and he definitely has speed and range and, and instincts, ball, ball skills when it comes to when the ball's in the air. So uh, there's a very good chance that while he might be a liability against the run, he might actually be a huge upgrade when it comes to actually picking the ball off for them. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some question marks um, on their defense, but their offense should give them the edge now, especially with, again, with, with Romo down for the Cowboys. But um, at the same time, listen – uh, I, I'm not a Sam Bradford guy. I've never really been a Sam Bradford guy except for early on in his career before the injuries. I, I thought coming out, he was an excellent prospect, but the injuries just kind of 
derailed his career. We never really saw what he could yeah. be. And then last year, um, he, he didn't look very good at all. But quietly, very, very quietly, because I really haven't seen many people talking about this. He looked pretty damn good this preseason, man. Yeah. And, and, and it's been a little shocking to me, maybe even more shocking to me that more people aren't pointing it out. But the guy's been playing well this preseason. And that's even with the fact that they they don't seem to be happy with the wide receiver core. No, uh, they they went out and, and they traded for uh, Doyle Green Beckham, and and he, he normally, you know, that trade doesn't even get made. But evidently Tennessee wasn't very happy with Doyle Green Beckham either. But you know, Al Galore doesn't seem to be catching the ball no. well. Seems to be a little bit in the doghouse. I think Jordan Matthews is a little banged up. Um, but it, through it all, this preseason, Sam Bradford has looked pretty good. And and they've got some pretty good tight ends now. Brent Selleck and, and, and Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ertz is coming on now. He's kind of that um, do-it-all kind of guy. He can kind of line up anywhere, including probably the backfield some as a fullback. He's not just a tight end. And he's a matchup problem pretty much wherever you put him on the field. And then they got a, a healthy uh, Ryan Matthews back too. So, um, like I said, quietly, I feel like Sam Bradford really has looked well, looked good. And their defense now, in that 4-3 attacking style defense with Jim Schwartz as a defense coordinator, is going to get out to people. Yeah. They're, they're going to get out to people, man. Uh, at times, Fletcher Cox has looked unblockable this preseason just has been outstanding. Just, just kind of like just what most of us thought he would be in a four, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's lived up to it. And then some, so, uh, well, and Marcus I, Smith, who you wrote about one of your breakout players too. Yep. He, he's going to, uh, get his opportunities this year to actually be in a four, three, which is where he probably should have been the whole time. Vinny Curry, who's moved back down. He, he was a nickel rusher inside for the most part uh, while Chip Kelly was there. His moved back out to defensive end, and he's been outstanding as well. Uh, Barwin and Graham, they've just got a whole bunch of pass rush coming at you, period, point blank. Yeah. So uh, they're going to get after people, and uh, I, I have high expectations for their defense. They might – might end up being the best defense in that division. And so that's why I say, like, you look at all these teams, they all have a few flaws, but at the same time, I think any of them, especially with Romo out, uh, we don't really know what you're going to get with Dak. Yeah. This is a toss-up type type year for this division, even the Giants. Um, you know, I, I worry something about the Giants and their uh, offensive line, but uh, their defenses look good this preseason for the most part. The mm-hmm. guy Olivia Vernon, he has looked every bit the part of the $17 million guy so far this preseason. They still have Odell Beckham, and now they, they've added Sterling Sharp through the draft, and he's looked good. Victor Cruz. Yeah, that really kind of surprised the preseason. Right. He, he finally made an appearance on the field and, and, and looked decent. So all of these teams – have a chance in this division. And you normally don't say that. And I wouldn't necessarily 
necessarily say that means they're the strongest division. <laughs> I just think that they're kind of the most evenly matched division, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it really does because and and that's sort of been the way this division's gone for the last few years too. At least as right. far as like where everything stands, kind of going into the season. I mean, obviously, you know. Dallas looked like they could have been a real, I mean, I, I think everyone picked Dallas to win the division last year, but you know, you can't predict Tony. Ro- well, you can sort of predict Tony Rome, getting hurt, but <laughs> <laughs> Tony Rome oh. and Des Bryant getting hurt, you know, that's a different, a whole different story. I mean, that really changes the scope of your, 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 uh, predictions there, but. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what generally seems to happen. Like you said, with this division is, there seems there seems to always be some kind of great equalizer that even when you think there's one team that that's above the rest of them, something happens to that team, and then all of a sudden they're brought down to everybody else's level. So, like I said, to me, I I, I think you kind of can flip a coin and pick the, the 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 team that'll win the division this year. It's probably going to come down to a war of attrition: which team can stay the healthiest. Yeah. Uh, obviously. The, the 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 Cowboys are losing their battle right now after they they lost Romo, but you never know with these other guys too. Yeah. So I already talked about Sam Bradford and his injury history. Um, you just never know. Well, so, and that's kind of the thing with Bradford too that makes me a little shakier on the Eagles is because I mean you you mentioned the offensive line for the Giants, and I think the offensive line for the Eagles has taken some hits already too, especially like with the Lane Johnson suspension. Well, and, and having see, seen Bradford this, play with the pressure, you know he's that's where he starts to struggle when when the pressure gets to when there gets to be a lot of pressure and you get a muddy pocket back there. Have they have they finalized that suspension yet or not? Because I saw something last week. I thought I, I guess not. I mean, he's fighting it, but they haven't like there hasn't been an update as to like hey, it's you know how far it's gone or anything like that. Right, so and that, that'll obviously be a a, a pretty big deal because Lane Johnson is a, an ascending player. Yeah, I know there was some talk about moving him to left tackle, and and, and uh, moving on from their left tackle, their standout left tackle, uh, like this year. I think he was even kind of pushing for that mm-hmm. to, to move the left tackle and, and be the guy before all of this suspension stuff took place. Uh, and obviously, you know, they have an outstanding left tackle in Jason Peters in the first place. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see how they handle it. Sometimes you can mitigate like a right tackle being out. Yeah. Like he, you won't find an outstanding guy necessarily, but you can start putting the tight end over there more and helping him sending the backs over there to help a little bit more. Um, so I think you can cover for, a an average right tackle a lot more than you can an average left tackle. Yeah. So I think maybe they can overcome that, but you make a, a very good point. Um, be, man, maybe it's because of all the injuries, that pressure has tended to affect Sam Bradford negative, negatively yeah. when it comes to his performance. And so you combine that with maybe a lack of, 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 of playmakers outside at wide receiver, and that could spell uh, – for some very long days for the offense. Um, <laughs> again, I, I'm not a Sam Bradford guy. I want to make that clear. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sold on the guy at all, but I just, I, I, I have honestly been impressed with him this preseason. I, I wasn't expecting him to look nearly as good as he, he's looked, especially when you talk about, um, you know, his lack of playmakers. Hell, I think it was Aguilar the other night 
uh, in the last preseason game, let a ball go right through his hands and it gets picked off. Yeah. So, and that's one of the few negative plays, if you want to call it a negative play, for Bradford at, that day or this whole preseason. And it was all because his wide receiver sucked. So, yeah. Um, I just, I, I just was not really expecting to see him play this well, especially you know after all the off-season drama, he wants to get traded or whatever, a new coaching staff. <laughs> um, but it, whatever for you know, however it happened, it looks like he's finally adjusted pretty well and is playing pretty well so far. So you know, it, it's like I said, it, it all these teams have stuff that you can look at and be like, ah. Really know? I don't know. Like I like them, but I don't really like them like them <laughs> like that. Uh, that that can kind of make you talk yourself out of picking them to win a division. I, I just think like, uh, look, if you get this right, if you pick this before the season, and you get it right. You probably ought to play uh, the lottery a lot more too because you got about the same uh, chance of being right about who's going to win the division this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the NFC East lottery. Yeah, and you know what you know what'll happen to the other <clears throat> it seems like there's always one team in the NFC East too by the end of the year that's really just really messed up in some way shape or form too. <laughs> so that'll always be fun. That's always a fun time in, in that division too because those are like the most like f- division from top to bottom. I think those are the most like for lack of a better word, active media markets and fan bases. Reactionary, maybe, is a good word, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, look at Washington. They still got like a, a, a RG3 watch or something. They still worried about what he's doing. In oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, 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 yeah, their fan bases are definitely something else. Oh, I mean, and, and who can forget last year's where I mean, this year's the ongoing Twitter sock debate over Kirk Cousins with Washington egg avies everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, Stephen, let's talk about the NFC North because that's really the division that's in the news right now because of uh, the unfortunate injury to Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, um, that was rough. It, it was terrible. And, and like when that happened, that was, let's see, we had the preview yesterday. It was Wednesday. So my days are all messed up in my mind, but that was Tuesday afternoon. And man, when you saw that news start breaking on Twitter, like you and I were talking about before the show, I, I thought, I thought something bad. Had happened. I mean, not just like, Oh, I mean, not that a torn ACL is not bad, but I mean, it sounded like something real bad had happened. You know, this kind of stuff kind of comes out of nowhere, right? And, and so you see the first tweet, and you're like, what? You know, the, the first tweet was literally something like, that I saw was something like, uh, practice has been called off 25 minutes early. Teddy Bridgewater went down with a non-contact injury. Yeah. And all of his teammates are freaking out, and guys are praying. And I'm like, What? So then you have to kind of delve into to Vikings Twitter and, and find all the beat writers, and they're all kind of tweeting the same thing just in different ways. Yeah. But at the same time, you're not getting really getting a whole lot of information other than, hey, this is really fucking bad, and B, his teammates are really freaking out. 
Yeah. So I think even one report had like his teammate, some of his teammates even threw up when they saw it. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, like you're still waiting for more information. And the next tweet I see is, oh, here's an ambulance pulling up to the field. Now, I played a whole lot of football, right? There ain't many times, if any times, I can remember a an ambulance coming to practice for an injury. Yeah. And, and I've seen some pretty bad injuries. But, you know, it's a non-contact injury that requires an ambulance to, to, to rush you to the hospital. And we were talking about this before the show started. Look, we've seen guys walk off when they've torn their ACL. They, yeah. they walked off the field, like, without even limping necessarily. Jamal Anderson, I always remember that, uh, for, for, for uh, the Falcons, walked off the field, looked like he was fine. And come to find out he had torn his ACL. Yeah. So for a guy to need the ambulance, man, you like, now everybody's like really trying to figure out what's going on. And so thankfully, after all that, we found out that um, while it was a traumatic injury, he, he like dislocated his kneecap and tore his ACL. And they said, you know, nebulous uh, 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 description other structural damage, yeah, which they still haven't really elaborated on. Uh, fortunately, he didn't really mess up any arteries or 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 or, or, or uh, uh, what was it uh, the, the thing with the uh, Jalen Smith had uh, um, the nerves? Yeah, didn't mess up any nerves in there either. So while his 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 rehab and his recovery is probably going to be longer than your normal ACL, which Nowadays, it seems to be like six to nine months, where it used to be like a year and a half. Um, he should be able to come back. But even like the next day, you get reports that uh, if they hadn't been so quick to treat it, he might have actually, you know, lost the leg. Yeah. Or, or maybe even lost his life. And, and sometimes that kind of stuff can really put in per- perspective just how dangerous football can be. I mean, (laughs) this was a non-contact injury. And all this happened to this guy. And and, and you just feel so bad for Teddy Bridgewater um, because by all accounts, he's just a great kid. Yeah. And you look, and and look, guys get hurt all the time. But when Teddy got hurt, when the news got out about Teddy Bridgewater getting hurt, you had guys from like every team in the league tweeting their – uh, um, best wishes and thoughts to him. Yeah, and that's not, a, that's not a common thing to see even. At all. It's not even close. You know, normally there's a sprinkling of guys, but I'm talking about guys from, from all over. Yeah. And so it just kind of goes to show you how he's looked at around the league and how he's respected around the league. And that's before you even get to just him as a player. That's, that's about him as a person. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just feel so bad for him, especially because – it looked like, man, he was really ready to, to make a, a, a huge step forward this year. I thought he played pretty well his first couple of seasons, but but now it, it looked like he, he really improved with his deep ball and, and, and you know, things were just kind of coming together. They had a whole bunch of talent surrounding him now. And after winning the division last year, it looked like the Vikings were ready to take the next step and be bona fide Super Bowl content, contenders. Yeah. And just with one play – that all has changed. So, you know, uh, in football terms, obviously, you know, saying that it's bad for the Vikings is an understatement. But, man, you just feel so bad for the kid in particular because I thought 
you know, he still has a bunch of the detractors out there who, who, you know, try to nitpick every little thing about Teddy Bridgewater. I thought he was going to have the kind of season to shit everybody up this year. Well, yeah, and, and like, I mean, you always see this with quarterbacks that, like, you know, early on where people – but, you know, he had a terrible offensive. I, I think I read in researching and putting together, you know, just a quick hitter following the Teddy Bridgewater news that no quarterback was pressured – more on dropbacks in the NFL on a percentage, a greater percentage of dropbacks in the NFL last year than Teddy Bridgewater. It was something like almost like 45%, maybe even a little more. I don't remember, but just like, you know, you think about half the time you step back, you're getting pressured because his offensive line was so bad last year. And it looks like a much better, I mean, they, you know, they signed Alex Boone. They've, I know Lodeholt retired, but they brought in Andre Smith at right tackle by all accounts. Matt Khalil has been playing much better. I mean, it looked like a much better group. And then they added to the receiving options, too. I mean, you've got Stephon Diggs, who's a great, you know, who's a great speed guy. And now he could do more work on that stuff because they drafted Laquan Treadwell, who, you know, I don't think he would have probably lived up to the hype he was getting early on in the draft process. But he's a good enough receiver that he's a reliable option for a quarterback on those short intermediate routes which freeze you know you don't have to run digs out there against a you know in the middle of the field like that and then you got the tight end and it's just it sucks because like man that was really like that was the part of their game that they could have really made a huge step forward this year better better passing offense and it's gonna be hard to do that with sean hill or anybody else yeah decide to bring in is just it's not going to be the same. And I tell you this much, you know, for the, the people who kind of uh, felt like Teddy Bridgewater was overrated, um, they're going to get a rude awakening when they see what life is like without Teddy yeah. this year. Because they, they do have they, – they're, they're pretty much stacked on offense. Even Charles Johnson, who was, was kind of expected to have a breakout season last year, but, but got injured and, and was kind of banged up the whole season and didn't really live up necess- necessarily – to expectations has looked fantastic yeah. for the most part this preseason. So now you got all these wide receivers who can play. You got Kyle Rudolph who said he said that he's the best <laughs> tight end in the league. Which look, man, I love a guy with confidence. And the truth of the matter is, he can make plays. That's what, that's a damn sure. And then you got Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Yeah. Um, look, you can do a lot worse on offense than that. So uh, Matt Khalil looks like he's got his situation figured out a little bit better at left tackle. He was he was pretty much the goat last last season when it comes to that offensive line, that production because he was just with some kind of way. It, it's like you talk about a, a kicker getting the yips. It seemed like he had gotten the yips some kind of way. Like his yeah. technique was all off, and, and he he had a very good start to his career. But last year just seemed to all fall apart where he looks like he's gone to the wizard and figured it out again. And now he looks like a legitimate left tackle again uh, um, this preseason. So uh, now they got Andre Smith, which means it, it looks like, uh, you, you know, the second year guy, TJ Clemens, who started a lot last year. Yeah. M- might not even be a starter. And so when you got guys who started one year, then the next year get beaten out. Usually that means you upgrade it. And things should get a little bit better. And and obviously we know Andre Smith has played well before for the Bengals at right tackle. So yeah. uh, there, there's 
look, and, and, and just to be honest, to, to go back, Sean Hill probably will have some, some success with this group because it'll be hard not to. Yeah. But he won't have a winning the division type performance. That's just not who Sean Hill is. No. That's not who most quarterbacks are. And that's why Teddy Bridgewater was a, an ascending player, you know, moving up the ladder in that regard. He, he's not just some slapper that you can just replace uh, with, with, with a, uh, normally whoever would be a backup on, on any team, and especially a guy who would be available at this point in the preseason. Yeah. So, you know, whoever, whatever online poll you want to put up of guys <laughs> you want to look at, as I, you know, they had this thing about getting Mike Glennon from here in Tampa. Go right ahead. You go right ahead and get Mike Glennon and see where that gets you. Okay? Go ahead and pray for Mark Sanchez. See where you end up. So, again, uh, and you don't wish this on Teddy Bridgewater, but I do believe by the end of this season, people will have a little bit new newfound respect for what he can do, considering they did win the division with him last year, and considering where I no figure they're going to end up now yeah so I I guess that kind of makes I mean I think the Vikings will still be competitive I mean one thing that's hard to overstate in this is is yet again we saw I think what kind of coach Mike Zimmer is because that press conference he gave what two three hours after Bridgewater's injury that was not the kind of press conference you usually see from an NFL head coach where it's usually just, well, we're going to get tested. He's going to, we're going to figure it out. We're going to go from there. We're going to, we're going to support him. We'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, that guy was hurting, but he was also like still tough. And I mean, it's just like everything you liked about Mike Zimmer, it was right there on display. He's like, well, my wife died and I got up the next day and the sun came up and we moved on. You know, it's like, holy shit. It's uh, I mean, this isn't a guy that's going to let his team dwell on this to the extent that, you know, they're already sort of making excuses and plans for January. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely not. They're going to compete, and especially because he's a defensive guy. Yeah. And their defense is going to be outstanding, I think, this year. I picked uh, Anthony Barr to be their, their, their breakout player, and he had a really good season last year. Uh, 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 and so a lot of people might be thinking – well, well, why do you think he'll be a breakout player when he already played pretty well? I think his best days are still ahead of him, especially under a guy like Mike Zimmer who can really bring out the best in oh, him. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, he's he's he has had some injuries that have kind of kept him from really taking that next step. He was hurt most of last offseason. And to me, at least the first part of the season, when you watched him on film, he looked like he was still trying to get in game shape. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, especially this preseason, if you you look at him, he's in top condition and he's doing everything well. In this second year in this system, he knows exactly what he's doing. So whether it's dropping back in coverage or taking on the fullback against the run or blitzing and, and getting pressure, this is a guy that can do it all for you. And uh, I, I think that you're really going to see him just, uh, I mean, just explode this year. And, 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 that's just one guy. You know, they got Everson Griffin, who might be the most underrated defensive end in the league. Yeah. Quite honestly. I mean, that dude gets after it, is a hell of a pass rusher, and is a tone setter. You know, he 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 brings it every play and and, and you know, he, he's got a little bit of an edge to him, which I which I really like too. 
And then they got Danielle Hunter coming back, who was a revelation last year. You know, a guy who we all knew was very athletic and, and had a bunch of tools, long arms, tall. Uh, but some kind of way, Zimmer and his coaching staff really got that guy going because he really didn't have much technique coming out of LSU. Mm-hmm. So you look from top to bottom, man, they, they got Harrison Smith, who's a hell of a safety. Yeah. Um, they got Xavier Rose, who's really coming on as a, a a a cornerback, one of the top cornerbacks in this league. Terrence Newman, who's still playing well. They just uh, and I'm talking about on their defense, man. Too deep, they are good. Like you look at their second team defense, and there's a lot of guys on their second team defense that other teams would want to be starters on their team. Yeah. So and have been starters on their team, like Captain Monument, for instance. So. Uh, their defense was already going to be an important part of, of whether they succeeded or failed this year anyway. Yeah. Now that's going to be even more so the case with, with, with Bridgewater out. And so, um, again, I think Sean Hill or whatever quarterback they roll out there will have some success because it'll be hard not to. Yeah. Especially with the way that they, they, it's a running back centered offense. Uh, the quarterback is, doesn't necessarily have to make a whole lot of plays anyway, but there's only so far you can go when you don't have a quarterback that can make that play that they do have to make. Yeah. Right. So it, it, there's not, it's not going to be a whole lot of times during the game, the quarterback in this offense is going to be asked to make a play, but on those plays, they have to step up and make them. And I'm just not sure anybody on, on their roster now or whoever they bring in, will actually be able to stand up and make those plays the way Bridgewater did last year. Yeah. So especially, you know, if, if that offensive line doesn't hold up the way we think they will. Yeah. But their defense is going to keep them in every game. Their running game is going to keep them in every game. I just, you know, it would be a hell of a feat uh, and a testament really to Mike Zimmer if they could even come close to winning the division again this year without Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, another player on their defense who's kind of stood out this preseason to me a little bit is Trey Waynes, too, who was their first-round pick last year, didn't play much, obviously wasn't quite ready for the NFL. But he's looked a lot better in preseason. I, I still don't know if he'll start or not, but it's good because he's a first-round pick, and that's if he can kind of start to live up to that potential, that secondary is even that much better. Oh, yeah. And then, you, you know, you need more than, than two corners anyway, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and even more than three, even even with your nickelback, you still need somebody to rotate in there sometimes. And Trey Wayne's the, the the thing that we always knew about him is he's got really good ball skills. He can go after the ball. His technique was a little off, I thought, last year. Yeah. And that got him in a lot of trouble, some guessing and stuff like that, and just not being in good position. Now it seems like he's taken to coaching, and he's in a lot better position all of the time. Even when he gets a ball caught on him, now he's usually right there fighting for the football. So he's there. He just sometimes, as is going to happen with football, just sometimes the other guy makes a play. Yeah. But but he doesn't look lost at all. He doesn't look like he's guessing anymore. And, and that's a huge thing for them because whether it's this year or next year, that guy was drafted to be a starter. And I think he's definitely moving in that direction. He's just got some really good players in front of him. Yeah, exactly. So I, I guess now, though, you know, with the Bridgewater situation and with, you know, the Viking overall with that division race and just kind of thinking ahead here, it, it's probably, you know, I just I don't see the Bears and Lions quite on the same level 
as the Packers. I mean, so I guess to me, it's the, it's now a question of like, what would the what would the Packers have to do to really lose this division at this point? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is ba- is healthy, and he you know obviously he's sort of one of those quarterbacks that's on like another level of existence than the rest of the quarterbacking world. But Jordy Nelson's healthy. Eddie Lacy looks good. You've got, we're back to skinny Eddie Lacy and he looks good again. So, I mean, the Packers are obviously going to be a really good team again this year. Well, the thing with it is, uh, we still don't really know about Jordy Nelson. And, We didn't think that Jordan Nelson being out was a huge deal last year necessarily when it happened, remember? Like, we thought he was, it was gonna, they were going to take a hit with him being out. But I don't think any of us could have fathomed just how different that offense, was, oh. offense looked without him in the lineup, right? Yeah. So if he's still not really back, you know, he, he, I, I guess he had a situation with his other knee. And so, uh, you know, you just don't know how healthy he's going to be or how long he can stay healthy this season. That They could revert back to being that offense that, while good, is not as good as you expect it to be. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I think that, you know, you're right. Skinny Eddie Lacy is going to be a difference maker, man. <laughs> that, that dude, he's skinny, quote unquote, but he will still run right through you. Yeah. So it's the best of both worlds for them because he can run around you or through you and he's just going to be – very productive if he can keep that weight off during the season. A lot of times people don't realize it's, it, it, it's a lot easier to keep the, the weight off in the off season than it is during the season, especially a place like Green Bay where, you know, it's not hot all the time anyway. Yeah. And, you know, now the weather's nice and mild and all this food everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's easier to gain too much weight during the season too. So, that's going to be a challenge for him as well. But I think that if he can maintain around the same weight, man, that, that dude could, could be the best running back in the league. And, and that's not hyperbole at all. No, not Just because he can do it all. Yeah. Um, and so um, I, I, I like that um, um, their defense looks a little bit more aggressive. Um, a, a, a guy who I picked uh, to be the breakout player, uh, Dayton Jones, says, look, Really outstanding at linebacker, even though I, I was a little skeptical of them moving him there after they had him at five technique for most of his, his career so far. Another guy who probably should be getting a little bit more uh, uh, um, hype behind him is Nick Perry. Yeah. Nick Perry has looked great uh, this preseason, um, just does everything well. The outside linebacker always kind of stays a little bit under the radar, isn't like a huge stats guy necessarily, but does everything well. And so uh, they moved Clay Matthews back uh, to to rush linebacker, and we know what he can do there. Uh, it's going to be uh, you know interesting to see just how good that defense can be this year because if that defense can become, a, 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 I wouldn't say they're necessarily a liability, but at the same time, I, I don't think a lot of people look for their defense to win games for them anymore especially when you got Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and especially because they just weren't that good mm-hmm. but now I, I think they have a chance to kind of get back to where they are making the kind of plays that change games mm-hmm. that they are helping uh their offense and being a complimentary part kind of like you know a, a situation like 
the Panthers, for instance, by Carolina, where their offense is outstanding, but so is their defense. Yeah. And so uh, when you got this much firepower coming out the team's uh, offenses, when you talk about pass rush, and of course you got Julius Peppers who still knows how to get it done as well, inside or out. I think that their 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 defense has a chance to be sneaky good this year too. So to me, as crazy as it sounds, man, it might come down to Jordy Nelson again. Yeah, uh, just you know, his health and, and how he's able to bounce back from that knee injury last year and whatever kind of injury he had this off season in the other knee might actually say as much about how far the Packers go this year uh, as anything else. Now I think they win the division now. Hands down, uh, unless they have some kind of major injury with Teddy Bridgewater out. I, I just don't, like you said, I don't see, look, Chicago has looked abysmal <laughs> this preseason. I mean, they, they look, woo, just not good. Um, and they should have actually looked pretty good on offense, you think? They get Kevin White back, the first-round pick from last year. Yeah, and, and Alshon and Jeffries healthy. Uh, yeah, you know, they, they did trade away. <clears throat> uh, Martellius Bennett, which I don't think that was a good move for them. No. But um, you would have thought that those guys would have kind of shown up uh, th- this preseason, but I, I don't <laughs> see it for the Bears. The Lions, I, I just look, I think the Lions uh, are going to rise and fall with Matthew Stafford, but we've heard this so many times before, right? You just keep pinning your hopes on Matthew Stafford to have the kind of year that we think he's supposed to have. And every year so far, since... I mean, it just hasn't happened, right? No. It, it just hasn't happened. And I keep saying this. I'm just trying to figure out how it's supposed to happen now. The year, you know, when when, when he doesn't have Calvin Johnson. Yeah. So uh, it, maybe it will. I just don't have a, a lot of faith in it. So I think if you're talking about who's going to win in this division, now that Teddy Bridgewater is hurt, I, I just think that it's the Packers. It's, it's, it's not even really much of a debate. Yeah. Um, but I do think what, what I will say is um, it might be a hell of a race between the Lions and uh, the Vikings to see if they can get a second team from that division in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, because, again, the Vikings will be in a lot of games just because of their defense. Um, to me, it, it, with the Lions, it's going to come down to Stafford like it always does, and maybe it does happen. Jim Bob Cooter, I love that name. Jim, Goff, <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter is in control now as the offense coordinator. It appeared at least the last year once he took over uh, calling the plays that things changed for the better, and now he's had a whole offense to kind of uh, uh, get everybody on the same page, and we'll see. We, we'll see how that goes. Um, but at the same time, I just think that um, you never know what the Vikings, if the Vikings just totally flame out, then that gives the Lions the opportunity, yeah. right? Um, but now the Bears, I just don't think, <laughs> I don't think they're going to matter much at all. I hate to say that, but I, I have, just haven't seen much from them this preseason that would give me the impression that they're going to contend for anything. No. And, and so. like, yeah, like, you, like we've said time and again, like I, I hate to put too much stock in preseason performance, but man, I'm like, you at least don't want to go out in the preseason games and look like shit for, for four games. You know what I mean? And that's kind of right. what the bears have done. 
Right, you you know, you, you you don't crown the teams as like undefeated in the yeah. preseason and shit or nothing like that. But you, you just don't don't, don't want to look like <laughs> like the Bears will look so far. And then Pernell McPhee is hurt and it looks like he's going to start the year. Um, I guess on pup uh, and maybe miss the first six games. And that dude, man, you talk about a tempo setter and, mm-hmm. and a tone setter and a guy that just get after it. Man. <laughs> His quote from last year, I'm just never going to uh, 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 not use it. You know, they asked, what, what was the difference between the first half and the second half? The first half, he didn't have any sacks. And the second half, he had like two sacks against the team. They lost, they lost the game. I can't even remember who they played. Uh-huh. But, the, but they happened to ask him what the difference was. He said, they stopped, chip, they stopped helping the offensive tackle. Fucking mistake. And I just look, man. I love that dude for that. Like I know he'll always be one of my favorite players, just on the strength of that one quote. Uh, uh, and that's besides the fact that he just plays the, the game the way it's supposed to be played. He just yeah. gets after it. But he's not going to be out there. And so now, what do you do? Uh, they got Willie Young, who I like too. Uh, they got the rookie uh, uh, um, out of Georgia. Can't remember his name right now. Um, but but I, you know, just like I figured. Uh, while he's athletic and, 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 and he's going to give you something out of a pass rush, uh, his, 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 how can I put this? Um, he doesn't have a lot of, hmm, he can't really just not be moved. He's not, he's not big and, 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 and he gets moved too easy. He doesn't have a really good anchor. Yeah. So, uh, he's going to get pushed around a lot. Uh, plays that he's supposed to make, he's going to, you know, just barely not make them sometimes because he can't really anchor down well. Yeah. So um, it, it's just not the same with Pernell McPhee not being in there. Yeah. It's just yeah. not. And it's already a defense that, quite frankly, um, just, just is not very good anyway, I don't think. Uh, no. I, I just don't see their defense being. Uh, I think they're probably the worst defense in that in that division. Yeah, and and, and probably in most divisions, <laughs> there ain't many defenses I look at at least on paper and say, yeah, the Bears are definitely better than them. <laughs> I, it's just the truth. So um, you know, we'll see how it works out. On paper, is on paper. You just never know. And, and you know, any of these teams could have major injuries as well. Um, but for right now, I just think it's the Packers and everybody else kind of pulling up um, behind them and the, the Bears kind of way, way, way even behind them. Yeah, it, it does. It doesn't look good for the Bears. <laughs> There's just no well, what they have in the last their last preseason game. They finished the first half with negative seven passing yards. It just that's hard to do. Listen, and the thing of it is. It looked worse than that. Like, <laughs> like, like usually the stats are like, you look at the stats and like, but it probably looked better. No, it looked worse than that. And I, I can't even put my finger on why. Yeah. Because it shouldn't. It's not like they don't have any talent. Um, they did lose their center. Um, but I, I actually think Ted Larson is a pretty good center. He was down here with Tampa for a while. He played out uh, with Arizona for a while at guard. Yeah. Uh, I He's probably going to do pretty decent at center. You can't blame it all on him because I don't think he's played bad since he got 
to Chicago. Yeah. Um, but it's just I can't put my finger on them, man. They just they just look bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I you know, we I was going through the preview. You know, obviously we check everything in it and like, you know, we reached out to the team sites for you know, some picks and predictions and some insight for the season. And every I, 16, and obviously this is their job to be optimistic. I'm not making fun of this at all. But it's it's just funny because 16 of 32 teams were predicted to win at least 10 games. <laughs> and like you, but you think about it, like every, like right now, I mean, even like, cynical ass me from the national you know like who's coming at this from like not the perspective of any one team or anything what you're thinking about it's like it's hard like at first it was hard like until we got into this and started talking and doing you know preview and all that stuff it's hard if like you know there's because there's every year i mean somebody's gonna win 12 games but there's also got to be the other end of the spectrum somebody's got to win Four games, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. And like now, like yeah, it's like I, the Bears probably could be one of those teams. You know what I mean? Like everybody's. It's a good thing to be optimistic. I'm, I'm, it's it's good to go into that. But like, I mean, and here's how optimistic the Bears' um, prediction was. They were one of the few to predict eight and eight. In this, so if the optimists are predicting eight and eight. You better hold on. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Because, look, <laughs> I'm sure the Rams site is probably at least predicting 79. <laughs> <laughs> they better be. Right. They, they, they're probably at least predicting 79, right? They Which, did. They've been like 79 or 8 and 8 or whatever um, forever. Oh, yeah. Seen, or at least since Fish has been there. Yeah, but 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 that would qualify kind of as to me a little hopeful because they might be starting a rookie quarterback pretty soon. So for them to be you know predicting basically almost the same thing what the the Bears <laughs> site is is predicting it tells you a lot, man. Because <laughs> most of most of these sites they 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 are you know hopeful or whatever, but a lot of them are also realistic. And, and but at the same time, I don't think most of them are going with worst case scenario. No, <laughs> most of them are going with best case scenario. So they saying they probably think best case scenario, the Bears are going eight and eight. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really know that if the best case scenario is going to work out for them this time. It's just <laughs> which is the same because, like I said, if you go through the roster, they do have some talent. You know, maybe they have some injuries here and there, but. It just I, again, I can't I can't put my finger on it. So, sometimes you just look at a team and you're like, man, that's just a bad team. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I don't want to fall into the trap. I mean, I, I'm not saying like like it's not all Jay Cutler to me, but you know, like when Jay Cutler when Jay Cutler has a bad game, he really has a bad fucking. Game. You are not. Winning. You're not going to win in spite of Jay Cutler. I put it that way. And I and I don't count quarterback wins as a statistic. I don't care what, what anybody says. Yeah. But you might actually could make the case for Jay Cutler because when he plays well, they have a very good chance of winning. But when he does not, that chance goes all the way oh, in, in the toilet. So uh, yeah, you just. You, you, because he doesn't have like 
okay games, it seems. Like, he either has a real good game or he just sucks. Yeah. And, and on those days when he just sucks, man, you're in trouble. And then it compounds. It's like it's not like he just throws one interception, shakes it off, and, you know, comes out and has a big second half. Like, it just rolls down. <laughs> right, it just right. keeps like going down. <laughs> you know, he's like the gambler that, that wins one day, but then comes back the next day and keeps chasing that win again. He just keeps losing. Oh, I'm going to win this hand, though. Let me, let me play one more time. Let me double down this time just so I can win everything back. That's exactly what he's like, man. It's always like once that ball gets rolling down the hill, here comes the avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> that you know that just summed up why I never go to casinos either. That's <laughs> <laughs> smart. That's very smart. Because I've been that guy. <laughs> All right. It's uh it's been a good one. We got through two NFC divisions. We've got two more to go. NFC South, NFC West. Uh, NFC West has been in the headlines lately too, but uh we'll see what uh we'll see what happens with the Kaepernick situation going forward um it's it's definitely been something to watch yeah that's one way to put it (laughs) (laughs) and and everybody's got hot takes but i'm glad there are people you know like the thing bomani wrote the other day the undefeated had another and i forget it was a woman who wrote it had a really good point about you know obviously Uh, it resonated with me because it was about the media approach to this and how like listen you know Look at if you want to talk about diversity, just look at the media. Look at the football press rooms. <laughs> right. Or really any press room, to be mm-hmm. honest. With you. you don't even have to limit it to, to, to football or exactly. Have you? So um I, I tell you, like uh sometimes it's eye opening, sometimes it's stuff that you don't even think about. Like I grew up in Memphis and um at some point in my childhood, Memphis became a majority black city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had, a, a, obviously, we had a black mayor for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it never even occurred to me that I, that our local newspaper was just like, th- there weren't many black people there at all. Yeah. At all. Like on the sports page or news page, anywhere. Um, and, and you don't even really kind of necessarily notice those things until you get older and you're like, hmm, that's very interesting. Like yeah. you're covering your your local paper covering a majority black city and you literally have like, you know, two or three black people working there. So yeah. it is definitely a discussion that we need to have because it needs to get better. I, I think not not to give black people opportunity per se, but to improve the quality of media so that yeah, you have absolutely. different voices and you have different perspectives being put forth from everybody. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what's such a challenge with the, the Kaepernick situation to write about it was, you know, it's like, I mean, I can look at it. I know racism's a problem in America. I'm, nobody, it, nobody should deny that. But it's hard, you know, I've never experienced it. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm a white dude. I haven't had to deal with that in my life, and it's it's you know you you try to you you are sympathetic to the point he's making. I I definitely agree with his stance, and it's definitely a conversation we need to have. And it's interesting on the flip side too to see how uncomfortable it's made people to talk. Like that Drew Brees thing was a classic example of it. 
And Drew Brees is like, well, it's wrong to do this. I can't, you know, you can't do this. It's like, and it's not that he never said race or racism in his reaction to Kaepernick. He said, it's the issue. I disagree with the issue. Or I don't think the issue needs to be brought up, handled in this way, shape, or form. What issue is that, Drew? What issue are you talking about? Right, right. Right. It's like you can't talk about it. I said a long time ago, it's weird how uncomfortable people were with calling people racist until they started calling the people who call out racism racist. Yeah, they got very comfortable calling those people racist. It's really amazing. All of a sudden, all these black people are racist because they're calling out racism. But you couldn't call out racism before that. Yeah. And then, you know, you you got a guy like and, and, and here's really my thing, like. Let's go away from stuff that that's necessarily uh, personal experiences, like you know, personal experiences with uh, the police or, yeah. or or with people trying to rent you a house or or give you a mortgage or what, whatever yeah. it is. As far as that goes, there are some things that we should all be, you know, aware of. In, in, in North Carolina, uh, you just had a situation where. Uh, after the, the Supreme Court, or after the courts had already ruled that um, they were trying to institute um, voting rules that would uh, disproportionately affect minorities negatively, and and that it was done on purpose, quote unquote. Part of the ruling said, quote unquote, with surgical precision yeah. to make sure that this went against minorities in, in particular in, in, in general and black people in particular, um, that, that North Carolina just lost their appeal to the Supreme Court. Now they only lost it because it, it was a four to four ruling. So there were literally four justices that were willing to say that even though the lower court had pointed out that they tried to do this with surgical precision and pointed out how they tried to do that, they got all this data about minorities and black people voting and use that as a blueprint to discriminate against these folks. Um, But thankfully, you know, however you want to look at it, there's not that fifth justice to side with them anymore. And so it was thrown out. Now that is a form of oppression. Black people have not been able to vote, vote except for since like the 1960s. My father, who's now in his 70s, was not able to vote in Mississippi when he came of age. So that is a form of oppression. That That is a blatant form of oppression that you don't have to be black yeah. to feel or notice yeah. or understand. And so when you have a guy like, for instance, Firebomb, who goes on TV and says black people aren't oppressed, well, that is obviously wrong. It shouldn't take a black person pointing out to him this ruling in North Carolina or rulings all over the country because this has happened all over the country with these you know, voter ID laws and stuff, that black people are still being oppressed. You take away the, the police brutality, take away the other stuff. Some of this stuff is just blatant. Some of this stuff you just can't even argue against. So th- that's really, to me, w- when you're talking about uh, media diversity and stuff, that's one of the things that I believe that they will bring because now you have these people that can at least point to fine ball because the point isn't that we go on and debate these things. The point is for somebody to point out, hey, Firebomb, look down the road in, in North Carolina, brother, and, and see what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. Do you not understand what the word oppression means? Mm-hmm. Because if you do mean it, do do know what it means, then yes, black people are still being oppressed in this country. And now that gives 
Feinbaum, the perspective to himself, now acknowledge that we are being oppressed. Yeah. Not that, you know, it's a debate and, and we say one thing and he says something else. It's now, hey, man, uh, you know, you might not be aware of this, but you should be. And you should pay attention to these things so that you don't say something stupid like black people aren't oppressed <laughs> in this country anymore. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a very multifaceted conversation that has started uh, from this deal with Kaepernick. And to me, you know, early on, most of it wasn't even about his message. It was about the way he chose to go about yeah. it. And it was just it, it was it was so ironic because the words of Drew Brees so closely mimic what Dr. Martin Luther King called out himself in the letters letters from a Birmingham, yep. Birmingham jail when he talked about how some white moderates who claimed to be for him would say, well, we agree with your uh, your aims, but not your methods. Yeah. And, and 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 he called out just how dumb that really was, yeah. and yet you're still seeing the same thing. And and like you said, even to the point where you know he couldn't even admit that he was talking about racism or police brutality or yeah. anything else. He just had to put these nebulous words together and try to make it make sense. Well, I just I don't agree with his yeah. his, his 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 way of going about it, but I agree with his aim. Well, what are his aims, Drew? Let's talk about that because I yeah. don't think. That I, I've seen Drew Brees come out and talk about um, police brutality. I don't think he's come out and been outraged over North Carolina trying to disenfranchise black voters. Yeah. Why aren't there more people, not just black people, but everybody outraged that there is anybody in this country trying to keep certain people from voting? Like yeah. literally trying to keep directed at this certain group of people from voting when that is supposed to be the cornerstone of this whole democracy yeah is the ability to to vote and, and do all these things and the, the ability to protest we can't talk about how much better we are as a country than other countries because of our freedoms if we aren't actually able to exercise those freedoms exactly. without people trying to you know shame us yeah so um you know, i don't want to turn this whole podcast into into this political football because at the end of the day I, I I just feel like we're so polarized these days that a lot of times no matter how good a point of a point gets made people won't hear it if no. they're not trying to hear it. I'm just pointing out that you know this situation uh, is on a lot of in a lot of ways absurd. Like there's not even really some of this stuff is not even debatable and yet here we are debating. It. Yeah. Well, and it's just, you know from an NFL perspective you just don't see you know we've seen in the past a few players here and there like you know like with the with the Trayvon Martin the I can't think of who it was in Cleveland the guys that had the shirt on and then like Tamir, Tamir Rice and, yeah, yeah Tamir Rice and then uh when in St. Louis with Michael Brown you know you had Tavon Austin and Kenny Britt and some of those guys you know do the hands up don't shoot gesture as they came on the field and but you know outside of a few memorable instances you know the nfl culture is just really not you're always sort of and aaron Rodgers was even talking about it over the summer that you know professional athletes and in the nfl specifically need to speak up more and they have a platform and they can use it but the nfl it's always been sort of like you can't use that you can't be an individual in the nfl you can't make these points it's a which I think was is sort of one of the other aspects and angles of of the Kaepernick situation. 
Yeah, and it, it, somebody else made a very good point. Um, and again, this kind of goes to show when you talk about um, any injustice shouldn't take a specific group to talk about. Yeah. Um, there was a woman who brought up the fact that um, nobody was speaking out, uh, uh, you know, or not very many football players have spoken out about Josh, the Josh Brown situation with New York. You know, he was a kicker who yep. uh, just resigned after he had already been arrested for domestic violence with his wife, allegedly had 20 other incidents. And after the fact, he was cited again for violating a restraining order. Yeah. A wife who eventually went ahead and left him and divorced him. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have, you know, guys speaking out about that, but everybody's run to the microphone to quote unquote disagree with Kaepernick. Yeah. And so, um, again, you know, this is a problem that, 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 that is a societal problem when it comes to the way men treat women and domestic violence, but it's definitely, uh, uh, uh I want to say in particular, we definitely have an issue with it with professional sports as well. Yeah. And, you know, you, you got the time to speak out against Kaepernick, but you don't have the time to stand up and say something about domestic violence or, or Josh Brown or, or, or uh, what's to be uh, Greg, uh, Greg Hardy. Yeah. How many guys came out and, and said anything about, against him. And so um, we'll all be better off when guys speak out all the time. Don't yep. don't pick and choose, man. When there's something outrageous going on, say so. But like you said, we we've been so conditioned um, a lot of times as athletes not to say anything, not to rock the boat. Uh, you, you go back and, and think about uh, hard knocks last year uh, with with the Texans and Bill O'Brien basically indoctrinating his whole team to just not say nothing to the media, not give yeah. them anything, just always give these bland answers. And that that's something that's, that's pretty much universal. There's very few coaches that empower their own players to go out there and speak their mind. Yeah. And so it, it, we need to get to a point where guys like uh, like Aaron Rodgers was saying, realize the platform that ha- they have and use it for the greater good. You see something um, outrageous happening, you should stand up and say so. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. When that was like, I think we like out of all for all the, you know, you expect all the dumb takes on Twitter and stuff like that. But I think like the it's not shocking, but like the thing that like made me sort of grit my teeth, the mo- the reaction that really, really sort of was the report that you have a lot of NFL coaches and front office people comparing him like they're comparing him to Ray Carruth. In just like the, in terms of, you know, that it's a hot potato that nobody wants to touch and, and people feel the same way about him as they felt about Ray Carruth. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. And the thing of it is, <clears throat> what's probably more disappointing than that, I mean, that was just more absurd. And I'm yeah. sure somebody said it, I believe Mike Freeman's reporting. Yeah. But, but I don't think that anybody could speak for other owners or other GMs right. or front offices necessarily in that way. That might be the way they felt, in which case they probably should have, should have put the name on it. If you're going to say something that inflammatory, put your name on it. Yeah, exactly. But, but bigger than that, and all of that, I don't think he had any quotes from any of these teams about how they feel about police brutality. No. Which is, again, supposed to be what we're talking about right now. Okay, okay, you feel, you hate uh, the way he went about this protest, but how do you feel about what he's protesting? Yeah, because I, I I would I would love to know 
after you get done with all this, you know, you know uh, 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 hyperbole and bluster about how you want your team won't sign them or you don't want to touch them, yeah. I'd love to know your thoughts on police brutality and, and, and some of these killings, you know, Alton Sterling. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Some, some of these crimes happen, you know, right in these NFL cities or right outside of them. Tell me how you feel about that. If you're going to spend all this time telling me that, that Colin Kaepernick is a pariah and he's this and he's that, okay, that's fine. That, that's your right. But also tell me, are you not outraged by some of these situations you've seen where, yeah. where you know, unarmed minorities get, get killed? Yeah. And, and if you aren't, why not? Yeah. Why, why, why is it okay for you to stay silent? Yeah. So, again, I, I think it comes back to this. Let's talk about the real stuff. We can talk about uh, the ways that you don't like, uh, uh, ways of protests you don't like. There's ways of protests I don't like, I'm sure. But at the same time, w- what about what led to the protest? How do you feel about that? Yeah. That's what we really should be talking about. That's, yeah, exactly. That's the real conversation to be having here. And, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a conversation, you know, at least at least it has spurred that in, in some quarters, I think, more than it would have if he never did anything or never said anything about this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Whatever you want to feel about Colin Kaepernick, now, by hook or by crook, and even though some people are really trying their best to avoid it, we are having this conversation now. Yeah. More so than we were before. Maybe it's still not being greatly productive. Maybe nobody's come up with a perfect answer or solution, but at least we're talking about it out in the open right now and furthering the conversation. Yeah. And, and so in that, in that case, it worked. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and I think that's, uh, that's a success in, in his, in, in that respect. And it's hard to avoid. I mean, you think, well, you know, it's, well, this is sports. You shouldn't be talking about it. And like, I don't, you know, I, we don't, obviously we outside of some labor politics because the NFL is very much involved in labor politics too. You know, it's not like this is a, I mean, this isn't a politics podcast or anything like that, but when it comes to you, you got to talk about it. Here it is. It, it's, it's it, it, a player stood up and said something and I don't, I'm not going to apologize for talking about it. And, and really, truly, this is sports because this yeah. didn't happen at a sporting event. We wouldn't be talking about it. Exactly. Right? And, and look, we can go into the history of why we play the Star Spangled Banner and salute the flag at games anyway if we want to. And we can go into the history of teams usually being in the locker room during the Star Spangled Banner anyway and how that changed and why that changed if you want to. Yeah. But we don't have to do that. This is definitely not something that 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 is apart from sports. This is – if you want to say stick to sports – this is absolutely about sports yeah. because the only reason we're talking about it is it happened at a sporting event by a professional athlete. It don't get any more sports than that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's a, uh, that's right. Well, next week we'll talk about the NFC, the Niners on the field product. Now, now you talk about an ugly conversation. The Niners on the field this year <laughs> might be an ugly conversation. Yeah, that's the other flip side of it. <laughs> like, hmm. I like that. Look, defensively, I, I really like some things about him. You know, I, I like Carlos Hyde too. He's my breakout player for him. But as far as how they're going to play this season, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and listen, you, look, 
Everybody was Blaine Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert. Look, <laughs> Blaine Gabbert ain't taking your ass nowhere. Let's just be, <laughs> let's just be honest about it. Okay. You, 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 yeah, maybe he's the starting quarterback and, uh, and always was. And, it, you know, it wasn't never really a competition. Great. That doesn't say a lot of great things about the 49ers, quite honestly. No. And it definitely, look, I, <clears throat> I keep saying all these people that think Blaine Gabbert had this great season need to go back and watch this film again. Yeah. Uh, he played better than we thought he would. That's what he did. And that's okay, a low nothing more, bar. Nothing less. And, and that's, look, that's a very low bar. Props to him because I never thought he could even do that. But just being honest here, he didn't, it wasn't like you went out there and set the world <laughs> on fire. Okay. It, 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 or even close. And so if you're putting your hopes and dreams on Blaine Gabbert, <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. I'm just going to say that. Just yeah, good luck with that. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll have to. I, I'm anxious. As, as you know, I'm. I relish the chance to talk about the NFC West next week because I'm sure I will probably have some Jeff Fisher things to say. Oh, yeah, some 79 bullshit. <laughs> I got lots of 79 bullshit, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> All right, Stephen, it has been another good show, and we will pick up again next week. Hey, and hey, next week we will also be talking about games that are like real games that count that are going to be okay. happening. Real games. I look forward to it. I can't even believe it. It's finally almost here. And then, of course, both of us will be breaking out next, trying to write up all the games and stuff. <laughs> so then we'll be like, where's the off season? <laughs> Is it February yet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. All right, man. Uh, get some rest. Hey, have a good Labor Day weekend. You too, man. And uh, have fun watching those last preseason games. Tonight. Oh, man. You know it. I got my TiVo ready. 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 <laughs>